Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Gritty Men podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host, and we are here equipping, encouraging, and inspiring God's men to live God's way for God's glory. Thank you guys for taking time to join us on this episode of Gritty Men. Um, today, we're going to answer a question How are we as God's men living God's way for God's glory? to live in a crooked and depraved generation like the one that we are currently living in. And uh, the question that needs to be answered is, how are we to react to this culture and the generation of depravity uh, of the people that are going on all around us? Well, Paul gives us some information in Scripture about how we are to live as God's men. He writes this to Titus, and he says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us, number one, to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The reality is, guys, we are living in a very, in a very crooked and depraved time, and we are seeing this played out right before our very eyes in this nation, in this time, it's happening all around us. Um, we have a great purpose, though, that God has saved us to and for. And one of the things that we're going to really begin to look at and discuss, of course, if you've been on this podcast very long, you realize that we're not a typical um, man man's podcast. In fact, I've seen several podcasts. Um, some of them are really, really good, but there's others that are really not worth watching. In fact, you're going to find guys who are claiming to be Christian men, godly men, um, who, who live nothing like godly men are supposed to live. In fact, uh, pretty much their podcasts are going to cover three primary areas. Buckles, bunnies, and bucks. That's what they're going to cover. Um, in fact, everything you see is going to be all about, you know, their achievements, um, the women, womenizing, uh, all of those things, and then money. It's all going to be about those three things. And those are the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. All of those things we know are part of this world. This podcast is not about that. This podcast is, is, is primarily for the sole purpose of equipping, encouraging, inspiring God's men to live God's way for God's glory in this time. Um, we don't have time to play around, guys. Um, if you're looking for a podcast um, that will... Um, Put your entire focus on gaining all the wealth you can gain and, 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 and living and soaking up uh, all the, the, the things that this whole world has to offer. Um, you're watching the wrong podcast. Um, that's not what this podcast is about. In fact, um, myself, the main purpose for doing this is, is that I can hopefully encourage God's men to live God's way for God's glory. And we do that primarily through teaching the word of God. So we're, we're here to learn how to be godly men. And what does God expect of us? And how are we supposed to live our lives in a way that honor and glorify our King and our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we make best use of our time? How do we grow in these things? And so you're going to notice here, Paul mentions that we have within this salvation that we've been given, that we are to say no, number one, to ungodliness. And it's everywhere in our culture. Not only ungodliness, but worldly passions. We say no to those things. That we are to live self-controlled. That's a word that most people don't like to have in their own lives, to live self-controlled. That means to control ourselves, our urges, our desires that are contrary to the things of God. We're to live self-controlled lives. We're to live upright. That means to be upright and upstanding before God. Living lives of holiness, uh, lives that um, represent what it means to be in Christ, to be regenerated, to receive the grace, mercy, and love of God. To, to, to understand that we one day will stand before God ourselves as, as God's men, and we will give an account for the lives that we've lived. And what I mean about that is we're going to give an account for the life that we've lived, this new life we've been given in Christ. What did we do with it? Uh, how did we invest it in the kingdom things? Did we make a difference in the world that we're living in? Did we tell people about Jesus? Did we live like we love Christ? all of those things, and then also to live godly lives in this present age. And let me tell you something. You want to stand out and be different. Just live a life that honors and glorifies God today. That will be a life that stands out in this culture in this time. 
And so we really want to look at what the Bible teaches about these things because we are living in uh, such a, a very crooked and depraved and deceptive time in the history of the world. In fact, we know that we're moving to a day. It's called the great day of the Lord. And that God is seated upon his throne and that he is sovereign and that he is going to do all that he has intended, all that he has planned. He's working his plan, orchestrating his plan, and we are moving to his day in his time and it'll all be for his purpose and for his glory. It's coming. So guys, I want to encourage you as a pastor, as your brother in Christ, as a man of God, someone who seeks to honor and love the Lord, as a husband of 30 years, as a father who's raised three kids, as just a man that desires to, 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 to live a life that honors and glorifies God, as your brother in the Lord, I want to encourage you in the word of God. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And how did we get to this place? I mean, as you think about it as a nation, guys, this as we think about this crooked and depraved generation, we, we think about just the, the, the utter boldness uh, of, this, of this nation of ours. That we have, from the top levels of government all the way down, we have a government now that is mandated an entire month be set apart in order that we would raise our flags of pride. And 30 days have been set aside to flaunt, to parade, and to celebrate what God calls an abomination. The reality is our current society is demanding celebration and the promotion of pride every day of every single month and all that it means. And so one of the reasons I want to address this is because what we're, we're, we're seeing played out here is just a demonstration of God's word being lived out before our eyes that God says these things would happen. God says this is what happens when a nation rejects me. These are the natural progressive elements of God abandoning or giving over a nation or people who reject him. And so America, if you think about it, um, from its foundation, the inception of those who came like for those um, on the Mayflower, we know this for a fact that the Mayflower Compact says that they came for the glory of God and the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those that were on the Mayflower that, that came and, and wrote that compact before they ever landed on the shores of this country. And then we know that we obviously um, have had the gospel preached here in this nation from its inception virtually. Um, and what we find here is that America in this day, in this time, is really daring God to pour out his wrath on this nation. And, and one of the ways in which they're doing that is the demonstration of the raising of the flag of pride in the face of God. And the raising up of this flag is not just any flag. It's a flag that has some symbolic and significant meaning. And that what we're looking at when we see the rainbow flag is we're, we're seeing a, a flag that is being raised in demonstration to the covenant symbol that God gave that he would not destroy the earth again by flood. So you remember all the way back in Genesis that every inclination of the hearts of men had become wicked and evil and it grieved God that he had made man. And so God said, I'm going to just blot man out. I'm going to destroy him. But there was a man by the name of Noah who was righteous and who followed the Lord and served God. And he and his family were spared. These were the remnant that got saved of humanity. And so Noah walked with God, the Bible says, but the rest of the world had become wicked and depraved. And so God does what? He sends a flood after 120 years of this man Noah, a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says, warning them of the wrath of God to come because of the wickedness and the vile nature of humanity. He warned them that this was coming. They need to repent, that they would get on this boat and they would be saved, but they did not repent of their sin they didn't do it and so God what he sends this this flood and he deluged the world and we know that God did something significant um, when he did this in Genesis 9 11 through 17 I want to read this section of scripture to help us better understand the significance of this pride flag and the fact that America is like raising this up in the face of God. What does all of this mean? Why is this such a symbolic thing? Why is this such a significant thing? And we know that this is 
um, what we see here about the, the rainbow. This is a covenant promise that God gave that he would not destroy the world again by flood because of its wickedness, because of his wickedness. He said, I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall the flesh, shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. God made this covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow, my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And so God made an everlasting covenant that because of the wickedness that he destroyed with the flood, that he set a sign of his promise that no matter how wicked or vile this world would become again, God would never deluge it with water because he promised in a covenant that he wouldn't do it. So the rainbow is there to remind us and to remind God of this promise. And lo and behold, what do we raise up? God calls this incredible sin an abomination, and it is raised up in the face of God as if to say, you can't do one thing about this because you made a covenant with man, an everlasting covenant, that no matter how wicked, vile, or reprobate we become, you will not destroy us with flood. But the reality is we know that God will once again destroy this earth, but the Bible says that it has been reserved for fire it is going to be consumed, and, and it will be cleansed one day again. Now, so what, what's really going on here in this nation? What's the big issue? What's the big problem? Why are we here? How did we get here? And, and, and we're going to learn what the Bible teaches about this. In Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, I'm going to read you some, some scripture here. Um. And this is what it says. Paul, of course, writing um, about the gospel, the, the, the doctrine of justification, Romans, all of those incredible things. In fact, Romans 1.16 says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And then he's going to go through this incredible book explaining um, what salvation is, the sin and fallenness of Adam, and then the, the, the gift of, of Christ and, and how all this happened and justification by faith and so on. It's an incredible, incredible um, letter that um, defines this incredible um, doctrine of justification by faith alone, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so here in Romans chapter 1, 28 through 32, we read this. This is where we are. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up. Okay, so what happened prior to that? I'm going to read this to you um, prior to it here in Romans chapter 1. Let's start in verse 18, though. And I want to read this part to you as we go through this little bit of study together about how we got here. Why are we where we are in this nation, uh, especially a nation that claims to believe in God? The real question is, what God are they referring to? What God are they referring to? There's only one true living God, but there's many gods out there. So what God are we referring to? And I could spend a lot more time talking about that, which I will not to do today because of time. But nonetheless, let's begin. In verse 18 of chapter 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has made it known to them. So God has made these things known about himself to all humanity. This is called general revelation, okay? This is what he's made known. For his invisible qualities, that is, his eternal power and divine nature can clearly be seen and understood by what he has created. 
In other words, what God has put in creation is a general revelation that he exists. And he is, he is demonstrating for us to understand that he has revealed this to us through his creation, these two things, his eternal power and his divine nature. These are two of his invisible attributes, okay? Eternal power and divine nature came clearly be seen and understood from what he has made from his creation and then it says and that's why all men are without excuse all men are without excuse for although they knew god what they knew god existed this is the thing that blows my mind these absolute insane ideas of evolution the evolutionary process that we were one time a primate ape and we actually began as a primordial soup, if you will. And then there's just this evolving of a one-celled organism and all of a sudden we have this boom, incredible creation. Here's the thing. If you spend any time in nature, if you do not believe there's a creator, you are blind to the most incredible truth that God has ever revealed to you through his creation. You're blind to it. You're prideful. You're arrogant. Because I have never met anyone who spends any amount of time in creation that does not know that this did not exist apart from a creator. In other words, it didn't happen from nothing, no design, just a cosmic uh, ex expanse of just, it just happened. No, everything has great detail and design. Everything is. If you just study nature, you, this room that I'm in right here, okay, this, this podcast space, let's just say I told you in this podcast, I was just walking around in this building, and I mean, lo and behold, just boom, and all of this stuff was put up here. I mean, every board was nailed up. It was cut. It was different types of wood. Oh, we have this deer head over here and this elk mount behind me. It was hung on the wall. This desk was here. These lights were put in place. The camera was set up here. This chair I sat in here. It just happened from nothing. Do you know how stupid you would think I am? Absolute idiot. Well, that's what I would say and what the Bible says here about all who reject the fact that God exists as the creator of all things their minds become twisted they get moronic in their thinking and that's what it, what has happened in our culture i mean just study the human body just study nature just study animals and 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 no you you have to be blind deceived or just prideful and arrogant and suppressing the truth that god exists because of what you love your unrighteousness that's what the bible says the reality is God exists. There is a designer to everything that's designed. This building I'm in didn't just happen. Somebody built this. So an explosion just happened at some time in space, and randomly, here we are on this ball. And everything we see from every plant, every bird, every animal, every seed, to the waters, to the air, to the every location we are, from the sun, from, oh, it's just, yeah, it just happened from an explosion. No, that is a lie of Satan, and that is a lie that has been propagated in this culture. It's called a theory, by the way, because it's not truth. It's a theory. It is a theory. You know, you want how the world began. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. It'll tell you why and how the world began. God created it. In the beginning was God. All right? In the beginning, that's what happened. God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how it happened. And then go through and see how he created it. Um, you didn't come from some primate. There's no monkeys in a process halfway through in their evolution. I don't see a monkey walking around with a human head on it. And No, there's still monkeys, by the way. I mean, you think by now, if you believe evolution, they would have evolved all the humans by now, and there'd be no need to be a monkey. It just blows my mind. But these are just common sense things that seem to confuse so many people. It's very, very simple. So what, what does this say? Here's what it says about this. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, that means worthless, futile in their thinking, 
and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. When you leave the truth that God exists and you, you suppress that truth, even though you know there is a creator, you may not know who he is. You may not know Christ who has come in the flesh, who is God. You, you may not know all these things, but there's two things you can know. His eternal power and his divine nature. Unsp unarguable. This, this cosmos is beyond comprehension. Only God could do this. So their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Educated, nonetheless fools. And they exchanged something. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. What did they do? They exchanged creation for the creator. What does that mean? They worship creation instead of the God who created all that we have in creation. We see that today. It's very prominent. It's been around forever. Worship creation. What? Things that look like this. What? Things that look like mortal man, birds, animals, creeping things. So that's idolatry. So once you leave the one true God in worshiping him, you then enter into idolatry when you suppress the truth about him and you exchange the glory of God for what he's created. Now that's idolatry and you begin to idolize or worship in idolatry the creation of the creator. So this is what happens when that happens. And this is what's happened in America. You want to know why we're here? Well, Romans 1 tells you how and why we're here. Therefore, this is what God does. Listen to what it says. God gave them up. God gave them over. He gave them up. That's a sad thing to think about. This is God's judgment, by the way. Remember, the Bible says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. What is God's wrath being revealed right before our very eyes? There's more types of God's wrath in Scripture, but this one is, this is the wrath of abandonment. What does God do? We're seeing it demonstrated before our eyes. God gave them up to what? In the lusts, in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to disobedience, to the, excuse me, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So now God gives them up to their lust. That is like sensuality. It's, it's sexual nature. So what do they do? They begin to what? Have lusting and they, they begin to twist what it means to be created in the image and the likeness of God. And they have a sexual revolution, if you will. And now we have looseness in a society because when you lose this understanding that God exists, he has a moral law and he is holy, righteous, and good, and you have a standard by which you live your life by, when you reject that God and you worship his creation in idolatry, including worshiping humanity or self, you then what? You indulge in whatever type of lust you want to indulge in. So obviously you have idolatry, we have a sexual revolution, and this has happened in this nation. We had the sexual revolution of the 60s, and really prior to that even, it was very loose and erotic. But we have a sexual revolution. And then from there, look what happens. This is incredible. For this reason, God gave them up. Here's the second time God gives them over, gives them up to dishonorable passions now. Um. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Now we're seeing homosexuality played out, mentioning here first women, which is lesbianism. This is homosexuality. And by the way, did you notice that it's dishonorable? Not only that, but these relations of women with women are what the Bible says, not natural. They're not natural. They exchange natural relations with men for unnatural relations with women. It's not normal. It's not natural. It is sin, and it is a part of sin, and it is what people do that become more twisted in their thinking and in their minds. So God gave them over, 
And then men likewise, they what? Gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. It's not normal. They gave it up. Men committing shameless acts of shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their errors. So God gives them over what? To a homosexual revolution type, if you will. We have a very homosexual, loose society today. That's what's being celebrated the month of June. It is Pride Month. It is all about the LGBTQ plus whatever else you want to add to it community. And this is a part of seeing this played out in reality God is giving this nation over. America's biggest problem is not the threat from outside the nation. You understand this. Our biggest problem is this, what's going on inside of our nation. In fact, I would say the greatest detriment to America is a result of America's abandonment to God, and that is they are what? We as a nation are receiving his what? Righteous wrath of abandonment, where God pulls his hand off a nation, he pulls his blessing off a nation, and a people who honor and love him, and he gives them over to what they want. They deny him, he gives them over. He gives them over. And now we move from a sexual revolution, from idolatry to sexual revolution, to a homosexual revolution, where it is propagated, it is promoted, it is promote, par paraded, and it is being pushed down every single avenue for you to accept and to normalize that this is right. It's not normal. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Has it been around for forever since men have been around? Yeah, because men are depraved. It's called sin, and it's a twisted type of sin. So it's, it's no different than... than, than um, I won't say it's no different. It's sin just like um, heterosexual sin outside of marriage also is included in the list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What is that? That would be fornication, adultery, uh, things of that nature. Even though they might be heterosexual, they're outside God's design, which what? Sex is confined for what? One man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. That is God's design for sex. That's the purpose of it, right? And there's reasons for that, which we'll get into maybe on some other podcast if I haven't already done it. Um, nonetheless, we can talk about that as well. So, so what happens now? Here it goes. This is where we are right now in this nation, by the way. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Now, this is called a depraved mind. This is a mind that is twisted in all the ways in which it thinks. It's just sick. It's just a sick, twisted mind. And this is a result of God giving people over. It is his judgment. It is his wrath. And it is happening right now before our eyes. And we are living in this reality in this nation. And Christian men, we are called to be what in it, but not to be of it. We're to live out of the, the sin of this world and, and not indulge in it. We're to what live differently so others can see our life and we can point them to who? Point them to Jesus. Why? Because these people need to know the gospel. They need to hear the truth of God's mercy, grace, and love and forgiveness from turning from sin and clinging to Christ, who what? Who made atonement for our sin, who justified us by his blood, who has redeemed us and made us right before God. This is the great news of the gospel. If you're watching today and you're living in sexual sin, repent of that sin, turn to Jesus Christ in faith and believe the gospel that he died for your sin. But you need to repent of it. You need to turn from it and you need to think differently about it and you need to what? You need to realize that Christ is your only hope, man. He is the creator of all things. He is God in flesh. He's the second person to try and God. We're gonna, we can go through all these things, but you need to repent. Listen, these days, we're coming to an end, man. We are in the last days. It's time to start living right before God. And how are we supposed to live our lives? Well, Paul told us what we were supposed to do and how we were supposed to live out our lives in this time. And so, guys, we need to do that. We need to live lives that are upright, that are godly, that are self-controlled. We need to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. This is how we should live our lives as godly men. 
living God's way for God's glory. Why? Because people need to hear about Christ. They need to see somebody living differently in this world. And the reason they are is not because of how good they are, but because of how great Christ Jesus is. We're going to be pointing our lives to him. And so moving along here, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. These are, this is, there's nothing really off limits in this nation anymore. I'd say the only sin that, that's not readily um, accepted, one of the major things would be um, pedophilia. Uh, but that's not even true anymore. That's not even true anymore. There's cities you can go to all over this, this nation and find everything you want to find. You can find anything you want to find there. And um, it's totally accessible. Twisted, sick, unbelievable. And we know that sex trafficking is one of the, it's a massive, massive world size scale business. It, it's, it's horrible. Um, God will judge that. God will judge that. So here's what it is. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness. This describes this nation. Malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve death, not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So this is where we are in this nation. We are seeing the results of God's word being lived out, played out right before our eyes in promise to Romans chapter 1 when a nation or people, they reject the one true God. And what do they do? Suppress the truth of that because of their love of unrighteousness and they worship creation themselves they worship something because all men worship something. Don't care who you are or where you're from or how remote you go. They're going to be worshiping something because you're created to worship. You're going to worship something. And what? We have a sexual revolution, homosexual revolution. God just keeps giving them over and it gets more twisted and more depraved. And finally, we end up here. And this is the demise of America. The demise of America will be the rejection of God and God giving this nation over and we will literally become unraveled from the inside out. The greatest threat of this nation is its sin problem, not its political problem. That's all a sin problem. All the garbage in Washington, all the politics that are so corrupted, all of the wickedness and evil greed of business and corporations. And what is all this stuff? It's just sin. That's what it is. It's the rejection of God and it's sin. And so, guys... Um, that's the world we live in. That's the nation we live in, a nation that is being given over by God, and we are seeing it played out before our very own eyes, and that's just the reality of what's happening in our world. And so when we see all these things happening and we see this stuff taking place in our, in our time, we know that, um, that God's, God's word is, is, is being played out right before our very eyes. So... Here's what um, Jesus said here about the days of Noah, because we just looked at this time. And here's another thing. There are um, false teachers out there that are going to claim that at least the first 11 chapters of Genesis is all allegory. Okay, It doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's just stories, if you will. That is a bunch of baloney. That's what that is. Jesus himself even spoke of Noah. Jesus himself even spoke of Jonah, for example, uh, as, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale uh, for three nights, three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the, in the belly of the earth. Jesus even said that. Here's Matthew 24 speaking of Noah. 36 through 39, but concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven and the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, 
so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus comes again, it's going to be much like it was in the days of Noah. In what way? Well, in many ways. But the interesting part of this is, no matter how corrupt, wicked, and vile this world gets, guess what's going to be happening on, 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 this, on this earth? For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, they're going to just keep on living and doing their thing. And then it says, And they were all unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So this is the way it will be in the last days, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24. It's going to be much like that. And we're seeing this to be a reality in our day and time. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, speaking of uh, what the latter days will be like. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. Listen to what he says. But understand this. See how long I've been? 36 minutes. Okay. But, 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 but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And here's what we see the last days described as. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. Avoid such people, we're told by the Apostle Paul. One of the things that sticks out here in this section of Scripture is that the word pride and arrogance, swollen with conceit, are a true reality of these last days. And pride is in direct opposition to God, by the way. Pride magnifies self, and it diminishes God. Pride is idolatry. Pride's idolatry. And so what does God think of this pride, this pride week, this abominable sin, all of these things that are going on? Let me tell you what the, the Word of God says about what God thinks about pride. Are you ready for this? You can write it down. And we all can be guilty of pride, um, as we're going to see here. But what's fascinating is we have our president, the first lady, people at the highest levels of government, all the way down to local government and everything in between. What do we have going on here? Everybody's raising, not everybody, many people are raising their pride of, their flag of pride. Pride. And pride is something that God calls an abomination, number one. But pride in and of itself is wicked. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 8, 13 says. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. That's what it means to fear the Lord. You're going to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil are perverted and perverted speech I hate. So in this section of scripture, God hates pride and arrogance. God says that. He hates it. Proverbs 16:5. Everyone who is arrogant, that's prideful in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Pride is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What does God expect of us as, as Christian men? To have humility, to be humble. In fact, you can't come to Christ unless you have humility. Deny yourself. Because Humility is, is one of those things that you must have. you got to admit that you're a sinner. You need a Savior. You understand you can't do this in and of yourself. You have to humble yourself and realize that you have a need that only God in Christ can provide for you, and that is redemption, to be saved, to be given eternal life, to be forgiven of all sin, to be given the righteousness of Christ, and to be brought into the commonwealth of, of God's family to be adopted as a son or daughter of the Lord God Almighty. This cannot be done by works, it says, so that no one can boast, but it is a gift of God. That is how we are saved. By grace ye are saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's all God's grace, and it's all God's mercy. And even the faith to believe when Jesus Christ reveals himself to you, 
that he reveals that he is real to you, that is a gift of God's grace. And the faith to believe is a gift of God's grace. It's incredible. Unbelievable salvation. And so as we look at our world, be careful not to be just, to be so just angry at what we see, realizing that an unbelieving lost world will act as an unbelieving lost world. They don't know Christ. They don't know his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. They don't know what it means to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is, to know God, to, to, to be living with great purpose and, 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 and understand these three questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? To understand the reality of the meaning of life, to really experience and know in relationship this God of all creation. It's incredible. And so, yes, they're living like pagans and lost in their, in, their, in their lives. So did we at one time. We didn't know Christ. We, we lived there once. Paul says that we once, many of you in the church in, in Corinth, he says, as were some of you. But you were what? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. I mean, we've been, we've been given this incredible gift of salvation. Thank God for that. Don't ever lose that, that desire for others to know Jesus Christ. There's some of you that are watching this that you don't know Christ. Man, my prayer is that you will come to know the God of all creation, that Jesus Christ will be revealed to you, and you can know what everlasting truth and salvation is by experience, to know it. It's not just blind faith. It's real. It's experiential. It's a reality. I pray that you come to know Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's another passage of Scripture about pride. Proverbs 16, 18. We just did that one. Pride is a precursor of destruction. Isaiah 2.12, For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. God has a set day to destroy the proud and the lofty. Here's another one. Psalm 10.4. You can write these down if you're able to. If not, maybe you can go back and listen to it and write them down. In, pride, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not see him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. There is no God to the prideful and the arrogant and the face of the wicked. Isaiah 13, 11, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. God hates pride. He hates it. And it will come to destruction at his coming. The second thing I want to share is that pride was the original sin. It was the original sin of a being that was created by God, an archangel, um, by the name of Lucifer. We also know him as Satan or the dragon. Paul makes reference to this reality in 1 Timothy 3.6. Speaking of someone uh, to take over in like a, an elder position... Um, he must not be a recent convert. Here's the reason. He may become puffed up with conceit, that is pride, and fall into the condemnation of the devil. The condemnation of the devil was the root of his sin was pride. It's pride. We're going to learn about this here in just a second. Satan's sin was pride, the central sin to all sin and rebellion against God. And God hates pride for that reason. In Ezekiel 28, 11 through 17, guys, I'm going to try to rock through this pretty quick so we can end this up with about, about five minutes, okay? So hang in there with me. Here we go. What was Satan's sin? Ezekiel 28, 11 through 17, or Lucifer, also known as Lucifer. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection. The signet of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Where? The Garden of Eden. We have the Prince of Tyre, 
actually mentioned in the passage right before this. What we're seeing here, though, is the king of Tyre. Do you not? There's also principalities. There are princes like the prince of Persia and Daniel that Michael the archangel had to come and he had to, to fight so that the messenger angel could get to Daniel. There's the prince of Persia. When we have what the, the prince of, of Greece that he was going to have to go back and contend with. So there's principalities and powers in Satan's kingdom. And we know Satan is, of course, the, the, the paramount leader, but he has other, Satan has other fallen angels that are principalities and powers and all of those things in his kingdom. This, he's the little god of this age, or, or he's been given the right by usurping from Adam the authority to rule and reign down here as the one who can do that. And that's why he offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world and said he had the right to do so. There's a reason for that. But Jesus Christ is overcome. And in Revelation chapter 5, you see Jesus Christ take the title deed to the earth and the scroll begins to be opened as Jesus Christ begins to, to rule. And what does he do? He begins to open the scrolls. And then we have the wrath of God being poured out and all these things begin to happen. And these are judgments. But I'm talking about the original sin here. He was in Eden, the garden of God. The king of Tyre wasn't there. Hello? No, we're speaking here of Satan or Lucifer. Every precious stone was your covering. He was beautiful. By the way, here's the other thing. If you were to see Satan, and some have, he doesn't look like this red, leotard-wearing, horned goober with a pitchfork. No. He was a signet of perfection. He masquerades, the Bible says, as we'll see in the next section of Scripture, as an angel of light. He masquerades as light. Um, he, he walked among the fiery stones of God. He was covered in all of these stones. You, to, to see him, it would blow your mind. It would blow your mind. Listen to what it says. Every precious stone was your covering. Can you imagine the glory of God coming out from the throne? The glory of God. And then you have this, this created being, this angel, this archangel. And, and listen to what he has. And you see the glory and the light just coming off and around emanating from the throne. And here we have this being here with all of these stones that he's covered with his covering. Listen, you imagine the light just flashing off that? Incredible. Listen to what it says about him. He was covered with sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day you were created, by the way, never forget that Satan is created. Who created all things? Jesus Christ, John chapter 1. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. We're going to get into that. Who is Jesus here as we make our way through this study? But this is very significant and important. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you, the word of God says, on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Here it is. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So didn't destroy him as in destroy no longer annihilation, but he destroyed him from his position of where he, where he served in the throne room of God. That was gone. And now we see this. I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud. Here it is. Here is his sin. It is pride. Because of your beauty, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. It was all pride. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. There's another passage in Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15. And this is what it says. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
how you were cut down to the ground, you who laid low the nations. You said in your heart, listen to this, I will, listen to the eyes, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount Assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Sheol, which is the place of the dead, to the far reaches of the pit. So he had fallen from heaven. And then we see all of these elements of the I wills. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. That's all pride. So we see that it was the original sin that cast Satan, Lucifer, from the presence of God to earth. Pride. That's why he loves pride, because it's the originator of all sin. Number three, pride was the first sin of mankind, and that's a true reality. Here we go. For God knows when he's speaking to Eve, and he says, well, surely God didn't say you couldn't eat from any tree of the garden, and Eve responds, well, God did say uh, that you shouldn't, we can't eat from the, the tree in the middle of the garden. We're not even to look at it. We're not even to touch it. We can eat every other tree. But just one. God says, don't go there. Don't do that. There's a choice here you can make. That's free will, by the way. And so Satan now is speaking here. Well, God surely didn't. And this is what he said. For God knows this. He's holding out on you, Eve and Adam. For God knows that when you eat it, here it is. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve and Adam. There's a reason that God says, don't eat from this one tree, Satan says. Listen to what he's doing. He is, he's pumping their pride. See, if you eat this, God's been holding out on you. You're depending on God. You're walking with God. Your relationship with God. You're not at the level with God at all. In fact, you're his creation. But God knows that if you eat this, you'll be like God. And here's the pride, the arrogance, the ego of mankind. What does Eve do? She looks at the stinking fruit and says, wow, it's pleasing to the eye. It's desirable. It's all of these things. Oh, it's got knowledge. Oh, boy, good. Yep, and that's where we have the sin of pride enters in, and we have the fall of man. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Um, this is what it says. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. Number one, haughty eyes. That's pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. God hates pride emphatically. The day of God's wrath is coming, and it will what? Bring low those who are prideful and puffed up. America, guys, is scoffing and mocking God with the raising and the promoting and the parading and, 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 and the celebrating of this pride. 2 Peter 3, 3, 1, 3 through 13. This is what it says about the last days. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Let me tell you something. No one's going to mock God and get by with it following their own sinful desires. And here's what they say. Where is the promise of his coming? You're, you hear these prideful, erring at suckers say that? Hey, where you've been saying that forever. My grandparents, boy, they talked about... Listen, for ever since the fathers fell asleep, they say, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation, man. It's all the same. You guys are just talking a bunch of garbage, man. It's not real. No, it's not true. For they deliberately overlook this fact. And you know what they still overlook? The goodness and the grace and the long-suffering of God. Here it is. That the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water, and by the word of God. That by means of these, the world then that existed, it was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, 
that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Here it is, guys. If you're living in any of this lifestyle of sin, if you're, if you're a scoffer of God, if, if, you're, if you're someone who does not know Christ, you need to know something. Today is the day of salvation. There's still time. God is still being patient and long-suffering with you. And here's the reason. He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord, guys, put it down, write it down, guaranteed fact. There's not many guaranteed things in this world, factual things in this world, but this is. This is factual stuff right here, boys. This is the word of God. It's going to happen. Put it down. Put it in the bank. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth. And the works that are done on them will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of what? Holiness and godliness. Waiting. For the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which the righteous dwells. Guys, what we're seeing in our day and time is simply the truth of God's word being lived out before our eyes. How are we to live in this generation, in this time, we are to what? Say no to what? Ungodliness, unto worldliness. We are to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present generation. So every time I see a pride flag being raised up, especially a pride flag that is raising up what the Old Testament and the New Testament both confirm is not only an abomination, but is a result of God's wrath, and that is the lifestyle of homosexuality, you have to realize and understand that it's a demonstration of the judgment of God that is being put out right before our eyes upon this nation. And the reality is, guys, our hearts really should be heavy for these things. And we need to teach our wives and our kids and those that are in a sphere of influence the reality of what's happening, especially those that are lost and deceived into the lifestyle of homosexuality. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, if you turn there in your Bibles, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's a, it's a section of Scripture that has great hope to it, and I'm grateful for it. Um, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you do have your Bible, you can turn there and write it down with me. Start in verse 9. Paul says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. There's a lot of deception out there, guys. Your kids are being deceived. They're being told that this doesn't matter. It's normal. It's right. It's okay. That there's many genders. There's not many genders. There's only two. There's male and female. Whatever you're born with is what you are. And to say anything of the contrary is to be absolutely insane. It's not true. And we've known this forever. <laughs> but it says, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, that's fornicators and adulterers, all that, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is what the word of God says. If you have a lifestyle of that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul moves on and says this. Here's the hope. And such were, past tense, some of you. Speaking of those in the church, in our church, in every church, this is a definition of what makes up the body of Christ. Those who were these things. But we were what? According to God's word here, Paul says what? You were washed. How were we washed? We were washed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been washed by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ the sinless blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there's no remission of sin. How were we washed? Not by water. No, no, we were washed by the blood of Christ, his perfect sinless blood. 
was paid for, was shed, was spilled in order that my sin would be what? Would be accounted for in God's wrath and judgment. It would be atoned for. The payment would be paid, and it was paid by the blood of Christ. You were washed. You were sanctified. That means set apart. You were set apart unto God. And you were justified. That means you've been made right before God in Christ Jesus. That when God now looks at you, he sees what? Someone who has been made right. He sees Christ, the blood of Christ that has paid for all of your sin. You've been adopted into the family of God. You're a child of God. You've been redeemed. You belong to. You've been paid for. You were bought with a price. You're no longer your own. It's an incredible thing, this salvation that we have. So you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, of our Lord. So that's the hope, that there's still time. There's still time for those that are living a lifestyle of sin to repent of their sin and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. There's still time. Guys, as we live in this world, we are to say no to ungodliness and to worldliness. We're to say no to these things. And we, according to Paul, are to live upright, godly lives in this present generation. Upright, holy, and godly lives in this present generation. Well, guys, I hope that encourages you today as you see all that's going on in the world. There's great purpose for you living for Christ. We are to be God's men, living God's way, all for God's glory. And I pray and hope that God will work these things out in your life. God bless you guys. Stay gritty. Keep pursuing Christ and allowing him to work in your life. God bless you. We'll see you next time on the Gritty Men Podcast. 